Support for the show comes from Atlassian. With a new story about AI coming out seemingly every day, it can be hard to know what it all means for you and your job. Atlassian thinks there's a lot to be excited about in the AI-powered future. Even right now, Atlassian's AI-powered software can help you boost productivity by eliminating menial tasks, generating insights, and helping you find information about projects, policies, and processes. No matter if you're a team of two or two million, or if you're around the corner or on another continent, Atlassian software keeps everyone connected and moving together as one towards shared goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Carol Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. So where are you now, Scott? Where in the world is Scott Galloway? Uh, I'm in the City of Angels. I'm in Los Angeles. Oh, your favorite place, your old stomping ground. My favorite hotel, Beverly Hills Hotel, where I'm very fancy. Yeah. I receive people. People like to come here. Oh, really? Do you have a suite? I have what's called the Michael Jackson suite, and that is it has a, a, seriously, it has a secret entry and exit way. Why? I wonder why they call it the Michael Jackson suite. Why do you need a secret entrance and exit? I don't understand. Whenever I get here, I'm one of these total douchebags that looks at the fire map, and if Mm -hmm. I don't have have a big room, I call and I start negotiating for a bigger room. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So they put me in the Michael Jackson suite. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, we're not that far from each other. We're only 350 miles away. I'm in San Francisco. Well, I I did feel a little extra warmth this morning, Kara. <laughs> <laughs> I should come down there, but I don't have time. But I love Los well, Angeles. Well, you know I should come down. Well, you know I'm here. Why? You didn't say, Scott, why are you here? No interest in my life. Oh, why are you there? Uh, two words, first Bill, second Mar. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to brag, though. I don't want to brag. I-, I won't say I'll be on it in a month, but okay, sure. That's great. That's literally the first thing they said to me, by the way. It's like, oh, this is such good news. Finally, we got Kara. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> I'm good. That's so, I'm so you happy be for rare, all of us. Scott. You can't be chomping at the bit for those Bill yeah. Maher people. Yeah. No, they're, it's, they're very nice staff. I don't agree with Bill all the time, but it's certainly a, 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 a Oh, really? See, I only, I only, I only um, respect people I agree with all the time. Oh, I'm okay. Just, all right. uh, but what are you going to talk? Oh, TikTok. Oh, come on. This is your little time to run we're around talking and about, scream. What, oh, yes. no, this is totally my wheelhouse. We're yeah, talking about yeah. um, failing young men. We're talking about his population decline, good or bad. We're, doing, okay. we're actually doing almost everything but TikTok. I oh, think. you've got to talk but here's, about TikTok. But here's the thing. They send you these topics, and then mm-hmm. Bill just says, Bill just starts talking about whatever he whatever wants to talk wants. about. Yeah, it's usually, yeah. you know, a grieved aggrievement about it's called culture no, it's wars. That guy's a gangster. I love that him. Show, you got to admit. I don't love him. I don't love him. But anyway. You got to admit, that what? show is more culturally relevant than ever. I see clips of him talking about we need to be a United States. Or mm-hmm. He he really does tap into something um, pretty, uh, 
I constantly see his stuff everywhere, and people just, yeah, I, the writers there are amazing. Some people like what he's done, some people don't. It's good, it's good, whatever. That means he's saying something, That's right? Co- well, maybe, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's an interesting time for the show like that. And it's, but listen, you, you go on that long, uh, a lot of people can't, you know, a lot of people have fallen by the wayside, and he has, and he keeps going. Well, it's further proof that, you know, there's both opportunity and an existential or a threat to the species of people called moderates. Uh, I don't think you're a moderate sometimes, but that's okay. We're not going to debate that. We're not what, debating. You think we I'm too far left? No, I just think that you bang on that culture war drum a little too long. There's other really issues in this country that are much. It's just this whole woke thing is exhausting. Oh, no, I'm, I'm all tired about culture culture wars. That's a perfect description. <laughs> no, but Tara. you know the woke thing, and you can't say what you want. And the, I'm I would like just like people, the Republicans. Uh, you the, mean the state show. of America? No, what are we but talking it's about? not. Oh, Most regular okay. people are worried about the price of gas, and we're not going to go to this. I just oh, think you're, this, and no, you're and one I, with the regular folk. No, <laughs> uh-huh. no, but I can. Uh-huh. I have many more relatives than you yeah. do. Who are, Don't uh, this say. climate bill is going to? You're not taking my lawnmower. Yeah, you're very much the regular. No, person. no, you're not going to. De- this is your you're just only a down home lesbian in in San Francisco finishing your book. <laughs> you try to do this whenever I make the point that people go bang on about woke is not what people are concerned about. You don't have to be of the of that group to understand that this is bullshit. Like, and this is what you well, do. You always why, you always okay. have to point out I am an elite, which you are even more an elite when you want to disagree with I me. You never make an actual argument. You just have to say, "Oh, you'd know." Yeah, I would know. I can talk to people. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, let's, let's let's unpack that. You right. never make an actual argument. How soon after saying that did you realize that's not true? No, it's not true. You go listen. Let me just say. Whenever I point out Mm -hmm. that this woke stuff is exhausting and most people have bigger concerns than that, you always say, oh, you're an elite lesbian. That is what you go to every single time. And so I don't really think that's okay. okay. So it makes me unable to hear people or read or Let me actually make an argument, which you accuse me of never doing, that that we on the left Mm -hmm. shoot ourselves in the foot because one of the impression that the Americans have elected us Mm -hmm. to be the police for cultural issues. And as a result, we turn off moderates and people with... Weird, dangerous ideas get elected. So we have adopted a strategy that has not worked. Yes, but I don't, I think it's that, that, that they have adjusted that over time. And I think the Republicans gone further right. And you, you can watch it through everything they're doing around this Trump arrest. It's nothing right. to do with anything else. I think they have, I think many on the left have adjusted this. I think many have said, yeah, you're right. And stuff like that. I don't think they're doubling down on it. That's for sure. But I do think the Republicans are doubling down on crazy. And so, okay. I mean, this is something, look, Biden's moved much closer to the center recently. And obviously, you know, he's got his progressive wing, but he's moved. I mean, you're, uh, uh, yeah, I'm a fan of there's it. lots of columnists who've written about this, uh, about this issue. And so mm. that's what happens. I, I think the woke thing is not nearly as important as the crazy. And that's I, 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 it's a problem, but it's not what's happening you know, or in states across the, across the country around trans things around. Well, one, one is naive and one is mean. It's beyond me. It's, it's something else. It's trying to legislate all kinds of things that we shouldn't be legislating. But, you know, like I'm looking at these things like th- there's a really good piece and we'll get let's get to what we're actually going to talk about. today. But there's a great piece about what's going on in Iowa and the um, and the governor there, who I think everyone focuses on Carrie Lake. Uh, mm-hmm. Kim, Ren- Kim Reynolds is very savvy and is really playing mm-hmm. into and passing all kinds of legislation that's really uh, like anti-trans, not just anti-trans, it just goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think this is this is actual legislation in action versus, 
telling someone they don't like when you don't use they them. I don't I don't know. I just find there's a big difference. Yeah, but then the question becomes Carol, well, how 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 is that happening and how do we best combat it? How how do we be more thoughtful? And the the, the thing that always shocks me is we're always in a state of outrage over what are what are um justifiably upsetting things, and yet we always seem to figure out a way to let it happen. And my attitude is, why is it, why are these ridiculous mean laws that are ineffectual and just inflame people, mm-hmm. why do they always seem to get traction and they we seem to get outplayed on the left? Well, How come McConnell's always voting. able to outsmart everybody? Voting. I think voting is one. Of, I think people don't vote. I think people just sit yeah. around and don't vote. Now, they yeah. did in Kansas, right? They did around the mm-hmm. abortion thing. And so the numbers, when you look at the numbers, the, 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 the group that's very much like this get out and vote, and then the others just don't. And then they're like, oh, mm-hmm. and then they have to clean it up. And that's, I, yeah. I, that's the ultimate thing when you look at those numbers. Anyway, we should not argue politically anymore today. I, I hope you have a great time on Bill Maher. So someone's struggling with their last <laughs> chapter. That's how I'm going to say. Today, Mr. Chu goes to Washington. TikTok CEO gets an earful on Capitol Hill. Also, Google enters the AI race at last. And we'll take a listener question on getting paid in stock. All right, but first, President Trump is still a free man. It looks like he was incorrect about being arrested on uh, Tuesday. Uh, he's, as we tape on Thursday, the grand jury weighing whether or not Trump will be indicted in the Stormy Daniels case was unexpectedly given a day off on Wednesday. As a reminder, Trump told followers he would be arrested on Tuesday and call for protest. There were about five people in front of Trump Tower, by the way. It's going well for him. This weekend, Trump will hold a rally in Waco, Texas, on the 30th anniversary of the siege of the Branch Davidian compound. His his lawyer has been ordered to turn over documents in the classified document case. It might be impactful. Apparently, there are tapes. He's just an ongoing, exhausting wart on the ass of society. What would you What do you think? Well, again, a president is supposed to deescalate, mm-hmm. and what happened in Waco is so. Mm-hmm. It's so upsetting, and there's probably mm-hmm. so many people yep. whose daughter or grandkid yep. uh, was perished in that thing. Mm-hmm. And then you have a guy coming down there to remind you of it for yeah. his own political purposes. And a to, very anti-government protest, by the way, but go ahead. What was happening in Waco? You know what I mean? It was like sort of this idea of the government coming in and taking our guns. Saying it, was a, it was a version of that. God, I forgot about just how horrible yeah. that was. And that trigger that that feeling of this is this is there's no good from this our emotions that are part of the fabric that is Donald Trump over and over over and over it is and, and, it's, and just, it, it, it's been ongoing this kind of what happened at Waco has been ongoing but it, it it brings you back there were several different events that was one Mm-hmm. Um, the the Heaven's Gate cult members remember when yeah. they, that was ninety yeah, seven um, was that the with the one with the black Nikes yes the black Nikes and the and God. the comment. And remember the comment? I remember looking at the comment and then that happened. Mm-hmm. Like, these are very dark parts of the U.S. psyche. And he keeps, like, poking it and, sh- like, unearthing it over and over again. It doesn't mean you, we shouldn't look at it and discuss it and everything else. But it's really, um, you know, just in order to get out of, like, in order to get out of this Stormy Daniels case, which was about a porn star, right? That's really, you know, it's just the, the way he pokes at the darkest parts of our psyche is really fucked up on so many levels. Mm-hmm. We'll see. And of course, they'll probably elect him, um, the candidate. They'll probably make him the candidate. I tried to sign up or register for tickets. Mm-hmm. I figure that's my contribution. <laughs> you know, you can get tickets online. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Like, you know, we're doing that whole, you know, no one will show up thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, well. 
We'll see. The teens, I think, tried that, but and it worked in one place. Um, yeah. You know, he'll he'll have a group of people that go see him all the time. It's like that's what he's going for is the is the diehards and and the emphasis on die. Anyway, another thing, the markets react to the Fed's latest interest rate hike, matching last month's hike of a quarter point. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell, who is tiptoeing, it sounds like, said the process of getting inflation back down to two percent has a long way to go and is likely to be bumpy. You think? Uh, Mr. Powell. The S&P 500 is up 1% since the news and the ongoing bank uncertainty continues with First Republic down 50% in the last five days. The, the stocks of these banks don't matter, but it's the nervousness of um, uh, spooking people, I think. So is this the right move? They had to not, they couldn't not do it, correct? Yeah, this was the Goldilocks raise. And that is, <laughs> I, I thought, okay, you have this banking crisis that in, in some part uh, was due to what was a historic increase in interest rates. Interest rates are the Fed funds is the highest been, highest has been since 2007, but we haven't raised rates 475 bips since 1979 within like a mm-hmm. 12 or 14 month period. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, he's, uh, because of the, uh, the potential for contagion and banking, he's going to tap the brakes mm-hmm. and not do a rate hike. Ed Elson, my analyst at Prop G said, Actually, he probably will raise, and he got it exactly right. He said a quarter mm-hmm. of a point because Powell doesn't want to spook the markets by right. giving them the impression he spooked. He right. still wants to show that, look, folks, inflation is still the you know the monster in the room. And the other one, the other one, you know, that's in the closet, maybe maybe comes out, maybe doesn't. Yeah, that's not my biggest concern. And it was yeah. kind of it, it was sort of like trying to say we're still fighting inflation, but we're also cognizant of what's happening uh, in the banking sector. Yeah, it's 100%. I think he's I think your analyst was was spot on about that. And we'll see where he goes from here, but inflation is the biggest problem, but you know, banks uh inflation is a long-term pain and a bank run is terrifying to people, I think in a lot of ways. I mean, there's just some really frightening things here. There are so many people out there, especially uh younger people mm-hmm. who have done taking some action to try and prepare either buying supplies or thinking about their go route, whatever it might be, preparing for doomsday. Yeah, oh, watching The Last of Us too much, I guess. That's right. And yeah. there's also when, when the most famous, well-resourced, and quite frankly, the impression, most intelligent people in the world mm-hmm. are all hardcore, like, go-bag people, mm-hmm. it doesn't create a sense. It's like, if these people are, are worried, mm-hmm. shouldn't I be? Yeah. And it creates, and what's, what's, and also their actions. Think about what they do with their professional lives. We need to figure out a way to inhabit another planet. We need, mm-hmm. I want to take you into another universe. Mm-hmm. It's very nihilistic. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, and, it's and, like assuming all, all hell will break loose. That's, there is that assumption here, 100%. Yeah. 100%. I think it's, I think it's frightening. Yeah. And do you have a, do you have a go bag plan, Scott? I doubt it. Here, I, I think these go bags in these bunkers are, <laughs> will have the same effectiveness as if a nuclear flash goes off and all our kids duck in cover. Yeah, yeah. We I were agree. told that all we needed to do in case of <laughs> nuclear attack from the, those Ruskies mm-hmm. was duck in cover as soon as we saw the flash of light and we would be yep. just fine. Well, yep. guess what? <laughs> no. You guys duck and see how that works for you. I know. If, there's, if shit gets really real, because they're going to find you. I told you what my plan was. When they, they all had their plans and they're like, what's your plan? I said, I'm going to find you, beat you up, take your things. That's plan. like, what do you think my plan I is? Mean, I'm going to yeah. steal your shit because I know you'll be well. Think- I, yeah, I agree. I think it's, I, there's no getting out of it. There's no, no one's getting out of this life alive. As, well, why, why as wouldn't we, song. Uh, 
Why wouldn't we take all of this money and genius and try and figure out how, how to, to make, like, it make this place more yes. habitable? Yeah, well, just in right? case, Scott, just in case you have those gold doubloons <laughs> that you put on a belt and carry around and lose I some do weight like on the, the hike. I do like the idea of rough cut gems being <laughs> stuck up my ass. Let's go. Let's no, go. No, let's not have a, we should have like a place we go, but then we'll be stuck together. It's like a Twilight a Zone episode. You and I in a bunker. For uh, let, okay. <laughs> Would that be like, I'm trying to think, would that be 10 minutes or 10 hours before oh, we, would kill you we so say, quickly. you know, I really like you, but let's kill each other. Let's... I would kill you, be dead. Who do you think would win that one? Oh, my God. You'd go weeks. I'd be minutes. I would eat you. I would eat you. I too. would. I'd be like, I would yellow jacket it. this motherfucker. I would. I'm like, look, it's been good. If you run into my kids Tasty. again, tell them I love them. What do you get? We need to plan what we're going to do with my body. I, I would immediately start it. planning. I cook it for dinner. Yeah. What are you talking no, about? No, I'm not getting... I am not getting caught in a bunker with anyone named Kara Swisher. <laughs> that yellow jacket, the situation. Anyway, uh, last thing, Ford's EV business lost over $2 billion yeah. in 2022. Not a surprise. The loss was offset by $10 billion in profits from the automaker's internal combustion and fleet business. Might be just the beginning. The company expects loss of $3 billion for its EV unit in 2023. They got to spend the money. I don't know what to say. This is what Elon did with Tesla. You got to spend the money and to get to this new business. It's the it's the way it is. That's the way, and it's, it is the new business. It's really fascinating. It's sort of. Um, I feel like everything comes back to the streaming wars. Mm -hmm. Almost every business that the yeah. like how the streaming wars is laid out. If you really understand it, you kind of you can kind of predict almost any market mm -hmm. where there's an That's excess of capital or excitement, and yeah. there's enormous justified excitement around EVs. And mm -hmm. the innovators' dilemma kicked in hard here, and that is, they said. Um, similar to how a lot of people didn't take Netflix serious for a long time, yep. all the automakers looked at the actual gross size of the EV market, looked at how expensive it was, looked at the fact that their shareholder base wouldn't mm -hmm. tolerate the type of investment required to be competitive in EVs. All of the things that were present with Netflix versus traditional linear TV. And then finally, they're all of a sudden, this is like Netflix or the streaming market and I don't know, call it 2017, 18. They're all like, we have no choice. We've got to yep. go all in here. Yep. And this, yeah, and they're and just similar to Netflix, anyone. I don't care if you're Disney with an unparalleled library, mm -hmm. or you know Hulu, any of these guys. You had to make uncomfortable, staggering, irrational investments. Yep. And there's just no way these things are super expensive. They'll get to scale. The exciting thing is there will be a Moore's law here. They will come down. The government's helping with the infrastructure mm -hmm. act to bring down prices. But everybody is going all in, and it's super expensive. And for the time being. You know, and the same thing will happen. What's happening in streaming now? Consolidation mm -hmm. will probably happen in three to five years. I don't think, yeah. I'm not sure Tesla will be an end well, actually, it's too big to be acquired, but some of these guys will have to yeah. get rolled up. Polestar, Lucid. This is money well spent. They have to spend this. They have yeah. to spend this. There's no choice because this is where the market's going. It's where everybody's going. It's where the states are going. Um, they can't pull this back. So this is the loss they need to have. So that's the way it goes. Uh, and they should have done it earlier the way Tesla did. He put, you know, he created the manufacturing stack and that's why he's way ahead uh, for now. Okay, let's get to our first big story. TikTok CEO Sho Chu testified before an overwhelmingly hostile House committee on Thursday as his company hopes to fend off a potential U.S. ban of the app. Good show, show, but it's not going to work. GOP Representative Kathy Morris came out blazing in her opening remarks. Let's listen. We do not trust TikTok will ever embrace American values, values for freedom, human rights, and innovation. 
TikTok has repeatedly chosen the path for more control, more surveillance, and more manipulation. Your platform should be banned. I expect today you'll say anything to avoid this outcome. Mr. Chu, for his part, largely dodged complicated questions, but fired back with comparisons to American tech giants. I don't think ownership is the issue here. With a lot of respect, American social companies don't have a good track record with data privacy and user security. I mean, look at Facebook and Cambridge Analytica. Just one example. Representatives accused TikTok of being lax with safety and cozy with the Chinese Communist Party, but they occasionally took the opportunity to ask Chu probing questions like, does TikTok access the home Wi-Fi network? Chu also pointed out that his network doesn't accept political ads and claim that it doesn't sell data to brokers, but he didn't rule out doing so in the future. I mean, what do you think here? It was kind of it's kind of cooked, don't you think, the whole thing? But Yeah, I mean, the House Energy Committee here, they chose violence, but they mm-hmm. chose it before he showed up. Yeah. We knew this was going to be ugly. I actually found it very cathartic and relaxing to watch this uh, panel because it was the first time I could think of mm-hmm. in a long, long time yeah. You would see the re- representative from some very conservative place in Georgia echo the comments of his colleague from, you know, a Democrat from Maine. I mean, mm-hmm. it, there is more bipartisan agreement here than on the Russian invasion of Ukraine and how to respond yeah. to it. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's just it's shocking to me, the 180 or how just much this is the narrative here. Uh, has changed. What did the CCP do today? They came out with the mother of all stupid comments and said, we will not tolerate or agree to a spin, which by mm-hmm. virtue of them saying that says, yeah. we're in charge of this platform. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so it was, it, it, they basically, they poured honey on this guy and sent him hunting for bears. Yeah, I know. This guy, I feel bad because he was sort of like, he's in the middle of the squeeze here and he's getting squeezed. I mean, he's absolutely correct about U.S. companies. Come on. Like, they're not the Chinese yeah, Communist Party, true. but they're really bad. And of course, none of our representatives have ever dealt with that. That they can't deal with. But when it comes to a Chinese company, they're doing to this company what they should have been doing to all these companies for years. Yep. But they aren't. Yep. But they aren't. But they aren't because it's good for, you know, to to to... to Shake the American flag for everybody, and you know, which is fine. Look, does the ban look more or less likely after this hearing? What is your take after this? More to me. I'm going to say more. I think you've been right on this. And I'm going to pick up the flag of talking about how awesome we are. When we said seven or eight months ago this thing should be banned, we were called a lot of names. And here's where here, this thing is absolutely going to be banned. It's already it's already happening. It's I think we're serving as a big. I think you're going to see more more Western nations find yeah, their backbone around are. banning this thing. And I do believe I do believe that there's so much money here that they will, on the eve of the banning, uh, decide to spin it. Mm, we'll see. There is there are those considerations. It is a, you know, I honestly I still don't think that she appearance with Putin helped matters any. He looks like he's against the U.S. and so it's very easy to do this. You know, it's not. It wasn't a good showing. All these people are dying in Ukraine. He looks like an opportunist, and it's it seems like Senator Warner was like, oh, let's get through with the ban. Let's go. Let's stop. Stop this nonsense. Which you know he's he's usually pretty reasonable. But I mean, if a ban comes, it's going to be. I mean, everyone's going to pay a price. It's a great service. My urologist is on TikTok. It's called Dick Doc. <laughs> That's good. It's that should be banned. I'll tell you, I have a ban on that crap. Ban on dad jokes. That's pushed them over the edge. Oh it's a ban is coming. God. A Let's ban, ban Scott coming. Galloway. That's my feeling.
Anyway, Chu had a unique proposal for federal oversight of TikTok. He said the company has formed a subsidiary called USDS to manage U.S. user data. In prepared remarks, Chu wrote that, quote, USDS employees would report to an independent board of directors who would be approved by and owe a fiduciary duty to the federal government. Oh, that's a little scary. To be clear, he framed the it's an idea, something that could happen, not exactly something that will happen. The CEO also reiterated claims that user data is safely stored in on Oracle's servers and that the Chinese government has never requested user data. Uh, okay, sure. Yeah, How do you sure. think TikTok's critics will respond to this proposed U.S. government-approved board. That makes me nervous, U.S. government-approved, but go ahead, go for it. I think his argument has the nuance that people aren't going to investigate. They're not going to try and figure out, well, what would a board do or not do? Mm -hmm. I also think it's like one of these, okay, you want us to have a Facebook oversight board, but our impression is these boards don't really have a lot of teeth. Yeah. And what do we do? I mean, it's all about incentives. It's not even about supervision here because the supervision is near impossible. How yeah, do you? There's an easier solution, by the way, rather than this. This I don't know what this is. Another churducken, right? And you believe that easier solution is a spin spinoff. That's yeah, it. Like, right, why, like, why right. are we trying to do this? Like, oh 100%. my God, so many First Amendment things here. It's like, yeah. who gets on it? What do they do? Is it like a blue right. ribbon panel? It's uh, just how do they track data? I, I how do they? <laughs> what? Yeah. How about spinning yeah. it off? How about that? That yeah, might work. That's exactly right. If the U.S. successfully forces a sale, it'll be problematic for U.S. tech companies abroad. Except there aren't any in China, so I'm not sure what they're going to do to us. Like what? Like Apple? Yeah. Apple well, how there. are they going to reciprocate? Yeah, what are they going to do? Stop making kick, iPhones. Kick Google out? I kick Meta? That. Oh, did that. Did that. Yeah, yeah, kick Twitter? Did that. Oh, did that. It's Apple and Tesla, actually, are the two companies there, the two big. Um, I just don't think that. They're so important to their economy. It's yeah, just it's, it's a very difficult situation for the Chinese. And, you know, they'll find other ways to, like, meeting with Putin, for example, to reciprocate. There was a really good article in the information about who owns it and who's done different mm -hmm. things. A lot of U.S. companies, some have left, some have sold off. Everybody sees a payday here in some fashion. Yeah. And so, to me, that's what everyone should be focusing on instead of this argument is there's a payday here. This is a product everybody loves. And every day they don't settle this is a bad day for TikTok because the, the, the gov they aren't focusing on their product and what they're doing. Their executives are here testifying in front of Congress. And the ban, I don't think the U.S. wants this either because a ban is very hard to do. You know, people will find their way around it. It'll be a big mess. And then in the end, this very good product will be decimated, which is, you know, Facebook's probably doing a little jig over in Mountain View nearby me right now. There's just got to be, uh, there's 300 billion reasons to figure this out. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is agree to the spin. Yeah. It's just, you, I mean, there's some really power. Isn't Sequoia and General Atlantic Partners in here? There's a whole bunch of people. I forget, but there are right. quite a few American uh, companies uh, in here, uh, investors in here, um, and has always been. Uh, it's it's always it's always been the case, and and of course, you know, it, the issue is: to, are the Chinese going to let this happen? From a you're not pushing us around kind of. That's really the focus, right? It has. Um a, a decent geopolitical overlay here, and that is, we say we're going to ban it, and unless you spin it, and they say we're not spinning it, you know, have at it. That will further the chill, right? Mm -hmm. That will that will be seen correctly or yeah. incorrectly. That'll be seen as an offensive move, furthering the you know distance. I think Americans, in my opinion, correctly say, look. At its base level, we're doing to one of your firms what you've done to every media firm for the last 30 years in China. So you don't really have a leg to stand on from mm -hmm. 
you know, uh, an equivalent standpoint or whatever, mm-hmm. or trade policy. Mm-hmm. But if they say, no, this is, in a, you know, we're, we're, we're shutting it down. You try and keep us out of the U.S., it's going to be it, – it, it'll, again, take the temperature down in a bad way, you know, make the frosting worse, whatever it is, increase right. the chill. So it's got geopolitical overlay here. I hope – I hope uh, it seems like everybody wins in a spin because look at it this way, $300 billion, say that the Chinese government or Chinese um, economy registers 10 or 20% of that just in terms of taxation or incremental wealth creation for Chinese shareholders – I mean, you know, they can build an aircraft carrier with that money. There's, there's yep. real money. This is so much money that there's, there's actual yep. governmental reason to hold on to it. Yeah, they don't have a lot to attack. I mean, they have very limited uh, options. I, Apple and Tesla, they have had bad publicity and consumer anger, but you know, th- this is these are important companies, and they'll relocate to India and Vietnam, which they're already going in that direction. Um, it'll it could really hurt the Chinese economy. Um, they could do things like raid them and scrutinize them and this and that, but they have not let us in there. They, we have let them in here and we have a lot more ability to fuck with them in that regard. Um, there are other places it could play out. I think this is one that the U.S. has correctly assessed they could win. People just don't believe them. They're just, <laughs> the government, this is just such a good political issue. And right now with them, him standing next to Vladimir Putin, he's not gonna, that's not going to help him. It's not help. Right? It's not like he's luck. standing yeah. and like yucking it up with that murder. You know, we're catastrophizing the banking thing, the contagion. Mm-hmm. And the most dangerous thing that happened, hands down, in the last month or three months is that meeting between Xi and Putin. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's truly frightening. That's kind of the real. If you want to be worried about something, folks, oh, that's. Yeah. That's, you know, that's that's got pretty poor and broad implications across the entire West. But I wouldn't say it's unrelated to this. Like, it's the show of power. These are all these yeah. shows of power that she is doing. You know, yeah. people, even though everyone's like, well, she's running your thing, everyone in power is always a little bit not in power. You know what I mean? There's always a threat to them. And so to me, when he did that, I was like, huh, I wonder what trouble you have at home going on that you have to be. He's really showing his muscle a lot. And so it always makes me, okay. Why does he need to show his muscle so much? It's a really interesting thing. Also, one of the things, they add revenue in the U.S., by the way. Let's go back to money because mm-hmm. I think that's the most important thing here. Add revenue expected to reach $6.83 billion this year, up from mm-hmm. $780 million in 2020. Oh, my God. Like the money. And, you know, oh, no matter. Tenfold. Tenfold. Just crazy. Wow. And, of course, these these ad firms are, are, are like, well, uh. You know, in this Project Texas that TikTok is doing to to protect, it just nobody believes it. By the way, meanwhile, our homegrown businesses are doing stuff like this at the same time. But it's they have this China thing is just too much. They're gonna they're gonna ban it. They they did they thought we wouldn't, we will, and that's where they are. So they got to next move China. I would just love to see all the meta lobbyists who are like, we love big government and think government <laughs> intervention is warranted here. <laughs> I mean, they're I literally they've like, gotten friendly they've had friendlier. to go from reverse to forward so fast <laughs> yeah, around government yeah. intervention. Well, it's- speaking of, Scott, let's go on a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about Bard AI and take a listener mail question about bonuses. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from Atlassian. One of our customers who produces pizza at a very large scale all across the world. Believe it or not, they use AI to review the quality of the pizzas that are created. 
that goes through a workflow that scans the images of the pizzas and makes sure they visually look like what they should. So it's pretty cool. That's Sharif Mansour, Atlassian's head of AI. Sharif thinks there's a lot for companies to be excited about on the AI-generated horizon, spanning everything from making pizza to producing podcasts like the one you're listening to now. There'll be far more jobs created on the other side of this revolution. Instead of a world of less, Sharif envisions an AI-powered world of more. In everyone's day job, they're moving from doing the thing to often being an architect of the thing. It unleashes the potential of every human. And I think we can go from a world where few people have access to a high level of intelligence to a lot more people having access to this information. AI is really giving everyone on the planet more resources to do great things. And I'm very optimistic about that opportunity that lies ahead. Transform teamwork with the power of AI-human collaboration. Start using Atlassian intelligence for your Atlassian products like Jira and Confluence now. Learn more at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N dot com. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Scott, we're back with our second big story. We're going to talk about Google's new product called Bard. Google released its new AI chatbot Bard to the general public this week. So far, it's only available to some users in the US and UK. Google says the bot is, quote, an experiment and frames it as a companion to Google search, not a replacement, although that's precisely what it is. I'm sorry, Google, but you have to upgrade your search, and that's this. CEO Sundar Pichai told employees in a letter that, quote, things will go wrong with the bot. Meanwhile, AI ethicists are taking issue with the, quote, experimental label. And one says the company is trying to offload accountability if things do go wrong, and they certainly probably will. One thing that did go wrong is someone asked Bard who should be, prevail, the Justice Department or a Google in, in antitrust lawsuits, and it, it sided with the Justice Department. And I think the Justice Department will probably have to call Bard as a witness uh, when they're going forward. Hmm, that's funny. So what's happening here? What do you, what do you think? I think we need to be, I mean, this clearly, this technology is just as chips or, I don't know, internet or communications whenever, or vaccines, whenever there's been a pretty seminal technology in terms of potentially shifting the sands of the plates of power, I mm-hmm. think it's important that we are out front. And part of that um, is to encourage companies to experiment and face the market. We just need to be thoughtful about what is actually going on and watch mm-hmm. it very closely and work with the right parties to 
you know, not only encourage them, but also to ensure we have the regulation in the teeth to make sure this thing doesn't get out ahead of us in a very bad yeah. way as, as we did with the internet. But I'm for launch things. Let's get, let's, i.e. American business in America, mm-hmm. get really good at this because I worry, I, I, the genie's out of the bottle here. Yeah. You, and I don't think you can stop technology. But and I think a certain amount of breaking some glass is worth it here for American companies and industry to get to become the number one. Right. You know, have more domain expertise. That's the argument they're making. I do buy that argument. Some people think this is an arms race that's going too fast and the move fast yeah. and break things mantra. Some people think it should be in-house longer. OpenAI, for example, which is the leader here, shut down chat GPT this week after a bug let users see other hmm. people's chat titles. It came back online, but users couldn't see their own chat histories. BARD is going to roll out with some limits they put in place. It won't give medical advice. It capped a few responses per session. Microsoft had similar limits. Um, let's listen to, I did an interview this week. I did two AI focus, one with Reed Hoffman earlier in the week, and then who was on the board of OpenAI. He's now off it because he's working on his own project, AI project, with one of the DeepMind founders. Um, but I spoke with OpenAI's Sam Altman for my other podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience. I talked about <laughs> risk and competition. That's good. On with Gareth Swisher, actually. And it's not Call Me Daddy. No, it's not Call Me Daddy. That's, that's yours. So I asked him about it. Let's listen to what Sam had to say. What do you think the most viable threat to OpenAI is? Honestly, I mean, I try to pay some attention to what's happening with all these other things. It's going to be an unbelievably competitive space. Like this Mm -hmm. is the first new technological platform in a long period of time. The thing I worry about the most is not any of those, uh, because I think we can, you know, there's room for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And also, I think we'll just continue to offer the the best product. The thing I worry about the most is that we're somehow missing a better approach. Mm hmm. And that this idea, like everyone's chasing us right now on large language models, kind of trained in the same way. I don't worry about them. I worry about the person that has some very different idea about how to make a more useful system. That was an interesting answer. Of course, he's worried about the guy in the garage. That was what he was essentially saying, that there's, they may not be doing it the right way if everyone's trying to copy what OpenAI is doing, which is what it seems like, correct? I will actually listen to that interview because there are a few people who are more important right now than Sam Allman. Mm-hmm. And it's not for the reason you think. People think, well, it's, he's going to shape the future of AI. Um, I actually think the reason he is probably the most important person in terms of where he, he will be right now versus in a year is that he's going to be positioned as the next tech icon. Mm-hmm. He's going to join kind of the altitude, you know, the, 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 he's going to run in the same altitude as a Bill Gates or an Elon Musk or even maybe a Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. And these individuals, their views on work, on culture, on society, on government, on politics, carry an enormous amount of weight in the public. Yeah. And I'm just very curious to understand him. I hope that he's, quite frankly, a kind person who's more patriotic than yeah. – some of these other um, people who get a ton of influence because this is what's going to happen. He's going to be positioned as our next Jesus because he understands technology and is doing these amazing things and creating a ton of shareholder value. And every young man across the globe is going to model his behavior. Yeah. Well, and so I have good I'm news for you. I'm very curious. I have good news. He's a good yeah. guy. He's, well, I, I know him as well, a good guy. Well, that's actually very encouraging. I've known him since he did Looped, which was a company that failed. It was a social network that had location at its heart. Um, and then he went to Y Combinator. Very thoughtful. Very willing to say 
no to people, very like including Elon. They had a back and forth about OpenAI. Elon didn't like the Microsoft deal, but he has an answer to it. Uh, so he's got a backbone. I've never had mm-hmm. anything but thoughtful discussions with him. Hmm. That's encouraging. He's quite quiet. He doesn't want a lot of attention paid to him necessarily, although a lot of attention is. You know, of course, he's got an eagle like everybody else, you know, here. But he's very thoughtful about the safety of this. I don't know if he's right. I think he has the possibility he can get run over by more venal people. I think that's one of the things I worry about. I think he may not be able to be at the front as these people put so much stuff into it. Obviously, Elon's going to do something. Reed Hoffman is. I'd rather have Reed Hoffman doing it than Elon. Some of his answers surprised me in a positive way, actually. Mm-hmm. He is of the feeling that the stakes are low now, and this is when we should do it. He also understands there's liability attached here. It's not protected by Section 230 that there will be liability. He believes that the uh, that there should be liability, depending on what's made out of this technology, because you don't know the companies that are going to come out of it, right? You, he doesn't defocus on the negative. You know, he doesn't love talking about all the negative things, I think, like a lot of people, but he doesn't defocus it. He's aware of it. He also likes to focus on the positive, like Bill Gates, and I think he talked about this, Sam talked about this too, said AI could serve a doctor to the world's poorest people. This is, it will be in the phone and will tell you things and help you along with all kinds of very minor things that often turn major. Um, he issued a letter this week, Gates, outlining his hopes for tech. He said AI may be able to address inequality. Uh, mm-hmm. But Gates wrote, market forces won't naturally produce AI products and services to help the poorest. The opposite is more likely. He's correct. There's a lot of possibility here for for tutors. I think Sam talked about tutors mm-hmm. on the phone, that the phone becomes less a time suck than a time helper, right? If that makes mm-hmm. sense. So it, it's, you know, it, it, there could be a lot for good here. Um, well, but, but just an example, one of the things you said about Bard, that it won't be giving medical advice. Mm-hmm. I would like to see it in a controlled, mm-hmm. you know, tons of disclosures everywhere get very aggressive around medical advice. I think if you look at America, um, if you're in the top 10%, if you have money and you get really sick, there are a few mm-hmm. places you'd rather be than a, than a, than a teaching hospital in the United mm-hmm. States. Our healthcare, like everything else in America, has slowly but surely been more and more increasingly optimized for the top decile of income mm-hmm. earners. And mm-hmm. for those top 10%, there's nothing like it. I mean, what, the procedure you had done, there was nowhere in the world you would rather have it done. Right. And, but the bottom, but as we have optimized for the top 10%, slowly but surely, the outcomes and the consumer satisfaction for the bottom 90% have been okay. Healthcare in the United States can be described as expensive but bad. I'm paying mm-hmm. a lot indirectly or directly, and I don't have the same outcomes as other nations. So, and as always, it makes sense when you first hear, oh, it's not going to give medical advice. Well, you know who doesn't want want to giving medical advice? The medical industrial complex, the pharmaceutical mm-hmm. industry, the health, the health insurance market. Because here's the thing, if we finally get good at distributing preventive health care out to the masses, and maybe they have less diabetes and become less valuable to the, to the pharmaceutical industrial complex, maybe we figure out ways that they can, in a low-cost way, handle things and identify them and not end up in the emergency mm-hmm. room. Yeah. It, yeah. It, so you can bet the healthcare industry is nodding and going, yes, we should, you should absolutely make sure that our existing arcane, administratively, financially burdensome method maintains mm-hmm. uh, the, the disbursement of medical advice. Yep. could be an enormous unlock for yep, the people who are too it, you intimidated. Know, that was the idea behind phone in phones in your hands, but this is different because it really does tell you and it does reason. And so one of the right. things that's important here is 
here's the positive story. Okay, AIs in these phones, they can tutor, they can give medical advice, really good medical advice in a in a real way versus a searching on Google. Searching on Google is 10 years ago I said I don't understand why typing into a box is the way we think is the top of technology. It was so Neanderthal to me. And so yeah. this is like, okay, here's what you're looking for. This is why it's so attractive. It's search on steroids, really. And it's search that makes sense. It's search that's easy to understand. Same thing will happen with medicine, learning, and things like that. I think the worries are it's going to track you, uh, but they're already tracking you. So that's mm-hmm. already happening. Um, that it has much more information and control over you because it's a, a much, it, it's not just a box. It's a, your friend. It's like, it's AI will tell you what to do and where to go and will track you and know what you're asked about and have a relationship with you in a much more significant way. But these people are not getting everybody, not just these, not just poor people. Everyone's getting bad information from these phones. And so how could we make it better? How could we bring it? I think mm-hmm. those are very laudable things. And I think Gates is right to say, you know, what's going to turn out to be, it's going to be like sex bot AIs. It's going to be, what do rich people need? Like, you know what I mean? Like that's what the companies that are being formed will look for how to make money. And we did, Sam and I did talk about that. How do you make money at this? Well, he and I talked, and this is something I think you'll find interesting about how the real uh, original sin of the internet is moving to advertising before subscriptions, mm-hmm. as you've talked about. And and that this is an opportunity to get make subscriptions work, right? Subscriptions or not advertising based technologies. Um, and there there may be advertising here. There certainly could be, um, but that 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 subscriptions are. I think they have a hundred million users. Not all pay subscriptions, obviously, but they're doing very well with the subscriptions. And maybe there's ways for all kinds of creative companies to come up with us that you pay a little bit, micropayments or whatever, as you use these things. And so I think we can all agree that there can be a better business plan here that doesn't, um, that doesn't lead to bad outcomes that the internet has. This is the key decision that is hopeful so far. And that is the majority Mm -hmm. of AI. So for example, Adobe just released their um, design or image generator. And the difference there, the market's already evolving is it's um, IP friendly. Mm -hmm. It's only feeding images into the machine model Mm -hmm. that it either has copyright on or don't have a copyright. Whereas you're seeing the other guys, the image or design engines are being sued because Getty Images says you are clearly, you have clearly used our Mm -hmm. images without paying us. Yeah. And so it's kind of a pretty smart move that Adobe has these assets and has said, okay, we're going to be IP clean if Mm -hmm. you use our step, but the key decision here that's really hopeful, and it's very basic, and that is the person whose fingers are typing the query into ChatGPT, that is your end consumer. You have a vested interest in adding value to that person's life and work and getting a monetary, monetary compensation from them as opposed to just getting in exchange for an amazing service, your attention, and we then turn you into the product. That's right, yeah. That is the primary distinction here that so far uh, the AI business model is pursuing, and it's very hopeful and should avoid a lot of the real noxious emissions that have come out of the it, internet. It just depends on who's making it, right? Like this is not, this is the bait, this is like the internet. Now who's on top of that, right? And who makes right. things? And so how do they do businesses? There's no, liability is going to be a big issue here, which is good, right? There'll be liability mm-hmm. if you make bad things. And Sam was talking about 
I was like, well, who should have the liability? He goes, probably the last person who touched it that created the problem, right? That's who, you know, the one who who's offering a service that has problems. That's where he would put it, obviously, not on his stuff. Um, but um, but that was interesting. There's liability too. It could be a subscription base and not advertising base. That's great. Um, and then the last thing is that, you know, so we've got liability and we've got incentives not to take your stuff. And I think what the government has to do is where's the privacy elements to watch very careful around copyright. Um, this week, the Writers Guild of America proposed a rule that allows screenwriters to use AI as long as they don't have to share credit or residuals with the technology. Um, that it's used as a tool and not a weapon is every possibility that when it could be a weapon has to be, sh- has to be shut down pretty quickly and people should pay for it. The problem I think Sam did say is they don't know what their people are going to make with this stuff, right? That's the mm-hmm. issue. And right now, Stanford just, a bunch of Stanford researchers are, people there did a did a version of this that cost six hundred dollars and so you know it's like cloning technology like who knows what some bad person's going to do over the last the last time it happened bad it was in china actually but there has to be an idea that you want to make good stuff here and then those who cross that have have costs for crossing that line so we'll see could be magical thinking yeah, it'll be interesting to see what kind of regulatory body they come up with, whether it'll be a division of an existing regulatory body or something different. There might be a but, separate one for this. Yeah, I think which would probably make sense. But I was at the um, Adobe conference yesterday in Vegas, mm-hmm. and um, the um, – um, I just literally lost my train of thought. I'm in the bunker with you. I'm about to go hunt. <laughs> You're about to be eating. I'm You're about to go hunt a You're mutated – You're about to become dinner. A mutated – <laughs> A mutated deer to feed all of us, and you scream, take your fucking culture wars with you and see if that brings back a deer, you you bunker bitch. And I'm like, that's it. All right. This okay. is the day. I will put another topic. One of the things that was the most interesting thing he said, I think, of the entire Hello, interview. edibles. Who took edibles last night? <laughs> all right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The most interesting thing he said, and I think you will have a comment on this, was this was the he, the reason they I said why did you know Elon was complaining that they went from a nonprofit to a profit he said we couldn't get money we couldn't get people to give us money to do it as a nonprofit the only way to do this was to have this capped uh, profit model that they have with their investors which is interesting but he said I said well who would have given you the money he goes well in the old days the government this should have been a government thing. This should have been yeah, like the space program, like everything else that was the government, the, like the internet. It should have been a government program, but that's not happening now. And so we have these publicly important tools that private tech companies for profit are are innovating. And so that to me was really an interesting exchange. I, I, I think he, he does think the government probably should have been the one to do this, but it ain't happening in this world, except in China, except in other countries that want to use it for more nefarious means. Yeah. So um, the question that was presented to me at this conference was, what should we be investing in to take advantage of AI? And I mm-hmm. said, I don't have any feel for the pure plays. And it seems highly speculative. And the mania has, you know, we're already sort of in, if we're not in peak mm-hmm. hype cycle, we're in strong hype cycle. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't, you know, I I don't have a feel for, you know, someone said, if you could invest in chat GPT right now, would you? And I'm like, at $29 billion, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But what I think a better investment strategy is just try, trying to figure out what companies across every sector mm-hmm. seem to be really serious about this and show initial signs of experimenting with it and leveraging it. Because even if it doesn't have any tangible impact, 
if you can be the beauty company that's doing cool stuff with AI, it'll mm-hmm. do wonders for your brand, similar to how like early digital innovation, whether it was that tangible or effective or not, mm-hmm. was like the ultimate branding strategy about 15 years yeah. ago. But there will be, there will be substance. I think education, health, any anything, writing, it could, like everything, just like the internet, it's everything. And so we'll see everything. where it goes. Um, so it's like crypto. Crypto. No, it's it doesn't. Everything. It doesn't. It's not going to solve everything. But this is actually very creative and much more democratic. Crypto is just... Just, I don't see I, the people I see involved here are quality people. So That's hopefully great. they will stay that way. That's very hopefully. And it's not the, um, it's not the ones I find more distasteful. Sam Altman is. Listen to the interview. I'd love to know what you think. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. Scott. Let's pivot and listen to the Reed Hoffman one too because he was deeply involved in OpenAI too. Mm-hmm. Okay, Scott. Let's pivot to a listener question. You've got. You've got. I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. You, you, you've got mail. This question comes from email. I'll read it. Hi, Kara and Scott. Have you ever noticed they always go Kara and Scott? Just making a note of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I love is whenever they introduce us, including Mm -hmm. on the show notes, Mm -hmm. Kara Swisher and Scott Galley, which is not alphabetic. I mean, it's literally like, I am such the bottom here. Wait, is that a crime? Anyways. Yeah, no. I'm just saying, I've just noticed when people write to us, just pointing it out. Anyway, hi, Kara and Scott. I work for a publicly traded internet company, and they recently announced they're changing their annual bonus program from cash to stock. I don't have a problem with this, but I'm wondering, what are the general reasons why a company would make this type of change? Oh, this is a good Scott Galloway question. But I'm also curious if that implies anything about a company's current financial situation and how the board might view our outlook going forward. Love the show. Listen to every episode. Thanks, Dom. Scott, answer this question. I have no idea. Tell me. Tell, tell me. I'd like to know. Well, it, it, it's a non-cash charge. It's dilutive to shareholders because they have to issue new shares, mm-hmm. but it's not. A, it doesn't immediately hit their treasury. Um, mm-hmm. And also, but the primary reason I think they probably do it is they're hoping a lot of employees uh, don't sell the stock and feel more of a vested interest in the success of the company. I mean, mm-hmm. th- one of the basics of management is that you want people to act, act like owners. You want people proofing the document beyond their hours. You want them thinking about the business. You really want them emotionally invested in the success of the company. You want them to act like owners. And the bottom line is the only way to make someone act like an owner is to make them an owner. Mm-hmm. And the way you make them an owner is by giving them shares in the company. So it's more of a cultural uh, attempt Even if to it's align a de minimis interests. amount, it works. If it's not like, you know, a lot of them are very small. One of the things we've done at every company I've started is we've given equity to every full-time employee because even if it's what seems like a little to us is actually a lot to to most people, or not a lot to most people, but a lot to some people. And it's meaningful to say, okay, I have five, 10 grand worth of stock here. And if things work out, it's meaningful to me. And they feel a sense of just, uh, at the end of the day, a sense of ownership. They don't feel riskier. They don't, you're not worried about them feeling like cash is cash. They can take it and buy a car or whatever. Well, they um, can sell the stock. I, yeah. I, it's up to them. And I, I, mm-hmm. I like stock that doesn't have restrictions. Usually awards like options have vesting periods, but yeah. options essentially is a tax it, efficient right. way to give away equity. Mm-hmm. But more companies are doing RSUs. That way, if the stock goes down a little bit, they still have something. Right. Uh, but giving away equity is a kind of a best practice. If When I was growing my companies, I just didn't have the money to pay people market. Mm-hmm. I w- we were bootstrapping them. We were starting strategy mm-hmm. firms. We needed mm-hmm. really qualified, intelligent people who had mm-hmm. a lot of options in the marketplace, very certified, you know, great cert- certification. Yeah. And I used to say, okay, this is my model. I pay you 10 to 20% below market, but I'm going to give you triple the equity you would get at anywhere else at this size of company. And when someone owns... Uh, I mean, that's your weapon as a small company. You say to people, okay, I used to bring in our top 
10 or 12 people, and I'm, I realize this is an aspirational, but I generally believe the top 10% of employees add 120% of the value and the rest are minus 20%, mm-hmm. but you can't figure out who it is. You, you identify those people, you bring them in, you sit them down and go, okay, you own one and a half percent of this company. These right. are our revenues. This is our plan over the next five years. These are the multiples on exits for companies like this. This means you by the age of 29 right. are in line to make X dollars. And, and which is I'm better gonna, than cash, which is better than just giving you. It grows. The thing about Christmas equity, bucks. the thing about equity is say you get, uh, say you get a hundred dollars every year mm-hmm. for four years, but you're given $400 in equity. Um, you might pay tax on it then, but then if you hold on to it, it grows tax deferred. You don't get mm-hmm. taxed on it every year. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to get economically secure with current income. With current and, cash. What's the bad? Let me give me the bad thing. Mm-hmm. Does it imply that they don't have money to give you or that this is just a better way of them to manage I, their I cash? I doubt it. I mean, I, I've been in situations, this is a publicly traded company, so mm-hmm. they can look at the financials and oh, make yeah. their own snapshot yeah. decision oh, around the financial point. of the yeah. company. It's it's a it's a best practice. I have done what you're talking about. I have done I've been in situations where I'm like, okay, these are consultants. We've had a great year. We did, you know, ten million in top line, two million in EBITDA, mm-hmm. but we're investing aggressively, opening our European office, and I bring senior management in and I'll say, You are gonna get a hundred and fifty thousand dollar bonus. Mm-hmm. You can have that bonus, or I'll give you a quarter of a million dollars in stock. Um, right. to save me the cash. Do you want to go kind of all in on this? And you know what? The majority of people who join a firm like that say, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm in. Or, you know, depending on their personal or their own personal financial situation, it is very difficult. You always want to figure out a forced savings, a means of forced saving, whether it's a mortgage or 401k or things mm-hmm. that you've just taken out of your check right away. Or you want some sort of equity participation that grows in a tax-deferred way. Because as humans... This is what we always do. We always raise our spending to the level of our current income. Right. You have to have so a lot there, of discipline not to you do get that. Your little holiday bonus is gone on something stupid. So right. I like this, but yeah. you don't you yeah. don't want to the only piece of advice I would say is if the stock gets ever say more than 30, 40% of your net worth, which is so, a good problem, diversify. Diversify. Yeah. Diversify. Yeah, the don't people hold on at Lehman Brothers, yeah. the smartest people in the world in 2008, and these were some of the smartest people in the world, mm-hmm. there were hundreds of them, partners who had their entire net worth yep. in mm-hmm. Lehman stock, and yeah. they'd lost it overnight. Overnight, And yeah. they'd been there 20, 30 years. Yep. Yep. I, that happened at lots of companies I've written about, and, that, and you really should diversify. That's the smartest thing. It's not an insult to your company to do that. It's just smart planning. Anyway, that's a great answer. That was a very good question, too. Thanks, Dom. We really appreciate it. If you've got a question of your own you'd like answered, send it our way. Go to nymag.com slash pivot to submit a question for the show or call 855-51-PIVOT. All right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for your prediction. Wow, that guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him, the sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield, so he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are in APY. APY can change at any time. Support for this show comes from the Harvard Business Review. 
You know, there's this idea in business that some people are born to be leaders. You either have it or you don't. But leadership, like any skill, can and should be learned over time. Whether you've climbed the top of the corporate ladder or are just starting out, you'll find valuable insights at Harvard Business Review. Harvard Business Review is a leading destination for smart management thinking. And on their website, hbr.org, subscriptions are just $10 a month, which gives you unlimited access to the same level of expertise. Things like case studies, newsletters, podcasts, articles written by some of the world's top minds. I use HBR in my research when I do articles or when I'm thinking about what to talk about on Pivot. I find them really interesting. I find them complete. I find them different. And you can find all kinds of industries covered. While much of Harvard Business Review's content is available for free after signing up at their site, subscriptions to unlimited content start at only $10 a month. What a bargain. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT right now to get 10% off your subscription. Again, save 10% off your HBR subscription. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT. Okay, Scott, let's hear a prediction, a prediction. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm boring here. I'm going to just pimp my show. I'm in Bill Maher tomorrow night, so my prediction is it's going to be an outstanding show. I'm yeah, with you did, the, you've done great. Uh, you know, without taking off your shirt, you've done excellent on those shows every time. Well, I just had an idea for tomorrow no, no, night. No, please tell. Please tell. Please tell. <laughs> Honey, I'm going to find the mutated deer. <laughs> no, let me just tell you something. You do really well on that show, and people are always like, who is this Scott Galloway fella you've been hooking up with? Like, they really You're do. Like, I discovered his ass. I discovered his <laughs> I ass. I don't say that, but you do really well He's on my show. bunker mate. He's, He's my, bunk- my bunker mate. For a short time. Uh, um, but David Sedaris is the, oh, I forget it, the main guest. What? Really? Yeah, oh, my yeah. God. I love him. Oh He's my good, God. isn't he? Yeah, I've never met uh, him. I just, I've been to so many of his concerts. I mean, they, he has concerts where he just reads and they're hysterical. I wrote, I love his book, Me Talk Pretty One Day. I remember it having an impact on me as a, a young person. And then I'm with- They are wonderful. I'm with uh, Annie Lowry. I don't know oh, if you Oh, she's Annie. wonderful. She's an amazing writer. And she's yeah, written she's all kinds good. of amazing stuff on, on topics. And she's just, she's terrific. I always get freaked out. They're going to, they're going to like pair me with some crazy conservative around culture. So oh, that's for I get, me. That's what they're going to saving for me. I get nervous. So I immediately looked up her stuff and I'm like- Oh, yeah, it's not going to be a very exciting panel. I mean, I'm, I'm going to say, like, I'll let you know when I disagree with something. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, but she's just like me, a liberal. Like, I think she is. I think she's pretty liberal. Well, but, you know, you've got me right. figured out. I'm somewhere right. between Ted Cruz and yeah. Marjorie Taylor Greene. I'm just so conservative. Yeah. 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 She writes about money and uh, inequity and the future of working and all kinds of things. Yeah, I know. She's very talented. She had a book in 2018 called Give People Money. It was about as yeah. She's as, a big UBI person. UBI, yeah. UBI was interesting. That was a great book. I think I had her on one of my podcasts, and she's just she's really terrific and beautiful writer. So that'll be fun. Oh, good. She's yeah. she's much. She has much more throughput than I do. I'll tell you that. She'll be able to shut you down if you say anything bad. So yeah. we'll see. But who gets goes. you radioactive free water out in the <laughs> wild? I would literally you you would decide. I would be so useless. You'd be like, okay, we've decided that no, we're going to eat you, Scott. <laughs> I'm going to eat you. That is what's happening. Yeah. I will. No, have I mean you. actually eat me. You'd figure out. Okay, yes. he's got to have some but, utility. Let's kill I, him. And I eat literally him. just said I'm going to yellow jacket you, which is one of the most popular shows right now. It's about a group of girls that are cannibals, essentially, and then what happens? Oh after. my god! Yeah, exactly. A group of girls that are cannibals. Yeah, you got to watch that show. I is it on Cinemax? No, it's on like Paramount. You don't even get that joke. Oh, I get that. I get. 
I, it's a dirty joke. I get it. But let me just say, you better yeah. start to watch that show and see, because it's going to be what's happening to you at some point in the future. Yeah. We end up uh, in a bunker together. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm excited. Mr. For man. I just, Mr. Man. Mr. That's Mr. what's going to happen to you. <laughs> no. Dead. <laughs> You're so yeah, dead. that's what's going to so happen sad. to you. You're going to be tasty. I'm going to put you, I'm going to put you a little Chianti and some fava beans. And I'm yeah, Louis going to season me. <laughs> yeah, at least yeah. Louis going to cook you up. He'll make it delicious. Anyhow, Scott, good luck for the short life that you have Thank left you. to live. Thanks um, And much. good luck on Bill Maher. You're going to be great. I'm sure you're going to be great. Thank you. Uh, okay, that's the show. We'll be back on Tuesday with more Pivot. Scott, read us out. Today's show was produced by Lara Neyman, Evan Angle, and Taylor Griffin. Ernie Intertot engineered this episode. Thanks also to Drew Burrows and Neil Silverio. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. He does go foraging and he's funny and tells dad jokes. Nah, let's eat them. Support for the show comes from Atlassian. Whether you're exploring space, making pizza, or producing a podcast like this one here... Chances are your team is marching into the AI-generated horizon. Atlassian Intelligence is unleashing a new era of teamwork. You can use Atlassian's AI-powered products for everything from brainstorming ideas to finding information to summarizing huge documents, all by using normal, everyday language. Atlassian AI-powered software like Jira and Confluence help teams accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. Learn how you can transform teamwork with the power of AI at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian.